Okay, welcome everyone to uh, actually the first ever Yoast SEO podcast. I don't even know whether our guest Christy knows that she is the very, very, very first guest on this podcast. Um, we're going to be recording a lot of podcasts and then over the next uh, couple of days, um, which are going out over a slightly longer period of time. So um, maybe I'll call everyone the first. I don't know yet. We'll see. Um, today with me is Christy Olson, a longtime friend from uh, the SEO industry and SEM industry, actually, I should say, um, um, who's just switched jobs. And because she works for Microsoft, her job title is longer than the average one. Um, so I'm going to let her explain that job title herself because it has something to do with SEM. Um, that's all I know. I'll give you the shortened version because it's much easier on that. So I am the head of search for global media. That'll be the easiest way to talk about it. The head of search for global media. And what is global media within Microsoft? So if you imagine Microsoft has essentially a centralized marketing team that is its own marketing agency. So we do not line up to any one given business group. We work across every single business group. And so I'm responsible for any paid search effort that goes out on behalf of Microsoft globally. Nothing big there. That is a lot. I can imagine that being a lot of different things. Is that also probably the single b biggest um, money flow from Microsoft to Google? Yes, I would. I would guess it is. Yes, <laughs> although Google will never admit it. Um, is it also? Is, so does that include LinkedIn advertising and and stuff related to that? Yes. Cool. So that is a lot. Um, okay, and you you only recently started there, right? Yeah, I am officially, I was going to say 30, but now it's 33 days into the new role. Um, as you know, before, I was the head of evangelism for search at Microsoft. So uh, the main difference between that role and this role is now I'm responsible for the execution of search campaigns, but I'm still doing a lot of the internal education of how search works and functions. And I also am no longer directly tied in, unfortunately, to the Webmaster Tools team, but I'm still syncing with them regularly and keeping abreast of all the changes and updates that are happening there. Yeah, the, the, the Webmaster Tools team has been doing a lot of great work, it seems, over the last few, well, months. I want to say years. years but, that's, but, but honestly, the last few months, I've seen so much come out of it that, that it's shown more. Um, it's really cool to see that. But it's in, in general, I have to say, having been in search for, I was just thinking about how long it's been. I think it's 15 years now um, for me, probably somewhat like that for you? I don't even know, to be honest. Maybe even longer for you. Uh, How long have you been to search? I started doing search-related activities in 2004, but I didn't actually make a career change into search until to late 2005. So I'm also on that 15-year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I started, for me, it's easy because I started doing it right before my eldest son was born. So it's always like, how old is he? And it's <laughs> somewhere there. <laughs> um Okay, but so uh, having been in there for so long, I've seen Microsoft go from like cool to like basically, well, it, Bing has had like five names. It's now Microsoft Bing again. Yes. Um, I'm anticipating a change to Microsoft Search somewhere in the next two years. Um, 
<laughs> no comment. I have no idea. I, I think my favorite was uh, in February, Barry Schwartz cornered me. He's like, can you promise me you will not change this name again? I'm like, I can promise you I won't change the name, but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> for what they no. do with corporate. Yeah. No, I can. Uh, it, it's so funny. It's it's probably the search engine that has changed its name the most. Um, it hasn't really changed in how it works, so that's good in many ways, although it has improved a lot. It's improved. I'd say the biggest change happened when we launched it as Bing back in 2000. And I always I try to think of this. It had been like 2009 timeframe. I think it was February when we launched uh, Bing. And that's when we really did a swap because that's when they moved over to really, instead of being manual algorithms, to really focusing on the AI side of how they have created that algorithm that is no longer a manually adjusted component. That's when we launched out there. And we I, th I think it's safe to say we were first to market with having a fully automated AI-based algo that when somebody asks, well, this happened, why? It's like, well, we can tell you the main components of the algo, but we can't give you the exact detail for every single site on the ranking side because we have now essentially you handed it over to deep learning and let NeuralNet figure it out from there. Yeah. Um... It's not that we don't know. It's just uh, when you have two to 400 different components that are on modules, they're nodules against each other that are ranking, you can't know the exact nuance of which of those 200 different components is causing the the end on the full page algo. It, it, one of the things that has always surprised me about the difference between Microsoft and Google in this regard is that Microsoft, these are, are I, can I say this? Yeah, probably can. Slightly more honest about not knowing stuff. Um, <laughs> you can't say anything about that. I bet this is how politics work. Well, uh, <laughs> no, I think it's um, so. Part of that, I mean, it, it's been around for quite some time of trying to be completely honest and transparent about what we know, what we don't know. But also, one of the things I'd say that I know in my roles evangelist, I really pushed our engineering org and pushed our PR teams to allow us to speak open openly about what's happening from a ranking standpoint, what's happening within the algorithms, because it doesn't help us to build relationships with the search community if we just say no comment, no comment, no comment, or yes, there are factors involved in ranking. So it's one that it, it did take some time to show like we are not giving away the keys to the kingdom, but by being transparent about what we are including, what we aren't including, it actually helps other people engage with us better and know how they need to be tweaking the optimizations on their site to improve their overall rankings. Okay. So now we're in 2020, you're in charge of SEM. And um, I, I find myself wondering, and I know disturbingly little about paid search advertising, I'll admit that. Um, every time I hear, hear Google talk about paid search advertising, it feels as though more and more SEO stuff is seeping into SEA, uh, as in though more and more of the ranking factors we get, well, that get thrown at us are, are, are important for SEM as well. Is that true or is it actually still, if you spend more money, it's, it's, you do better and it's nothing really to do with anything else? 
Well, this it's actually a great question because I think SEOs think SEM is a little bit of a, you just put money at it and it works. But in all reality, in terms of rankings on search, it is a combination of money and then we have what's called quality score. So if you imagine there are three concentric circles that overlap, one is on the keyword to the query relevance, then you have the add copy to the keyword and the query relevance, and the third circle is your landing page to the query relevance. So if those three areas are aligned and you're in the middle and you have a high quality score, then you pay less. So it could actually be possible to have the lowest bid, but a, a highest quality score and actually rank on top of the search results. So it is a little bit like organic search, except we're a lot. there's a lot more transparency on the quality factors and really it is those three core factors in addition to the bid. So you really can create your own mini algorithm. They'll tell you the quality score. So you can look into Google and Bing and see here is my quality score and know, okay, based on these three components and there are breakdowns in the Microsoft advertising, you can get a report that tells you, do you rank high, medium or low for each of those three components to tell you it's your landing page that sucks. You need to optimize your landing page. It is the relevancy of your keyword to the to the query. So that's when you need to go in and think about the um, longer tail queries or negative matching, et cetera, to improve on that side. So it's a, it is similar, but it isn't, I think we just get a little more visibility on the three core components. Yeah. Um, does that mean you're also telling people to optimize their landing pages purely for SEM all the time? Yeah, it depends who you talk to. I tell people, in, in for the most part, no, but also yes. So you should not be optimizing your landing pages solely for paid search. But for paid search campaigns, it is helpful if you have some control of being able to give guidance of here's the top words we are trying to rank for. Let's make sure that the landing pages are relevant to those terms and phrases when applicable. And I put the when applicable because let's say we are Microsoft and we are doing uh, Azure cloud computing. We are not going to be optimi optimizing our, camp our landing page for uh, AWS. Let's just be transparent on that. Like, you're so we you're not? That's what? weird. Who would have <laughs> um, but there's ways you can add copy of comparing AWS to Azure in a side-by-side -side comparison that can help improve your landing page. So there are things we can do from a landing page testing perspective and landing page um, optimization side that might end up helping with organic search, but will in the paid space can just net out in the long run. If you have to choose, what do you prefer, SEM or SEO? Everybody hates me when I answer this question. I love paid slightly more than SEO because literally I can go and I can make the change today and I can see the results in hours. And so you have a lot more control versus SEO. You you sort of know what the main factors are. You can make the updates and then you pray <laughs> that in three to six to 12 weeks, sometimes even longer, that you start to see the changes happening. In paid search, you don't have to have as much, um, or it's, it's not have as much. You can make the changes and see them right away. With organic search, you don't know what changes your competitors are making also at the same time. So while you might be thinking that you're going to be improving over competitor A, B, and C, if they are also making changes and optimizing at the same time, everything you do could be mute <laughs> true but at the same time a lot of the changes if you are working on microsoft properties a lot of the changes will reflect quite quickly in search i imagine because they're quite heavily crawled sites i imagine and, and well google comes by a lot so seo can be very effective 
I know that on Yoast.com, stuff works like instantly, and Yoast.com is quite smaller than Microsoft.com. Well, it's it's not that it's not effective. It just, I love the fact that we can see it in real time and see the levers. The other one that I appreciate with paid, and again, it goes back to one of the reasons I came back to Microsoft to do search, and I love paid search, is we have the opportunity to use a lot of different tools. And so we have some testing tools where essentially I can own content modules on a page, and I can run um, 40 or 50 variations of copy and text on a given page to see what works from a quality score standpoint and what works best for conversion and doing just on-page optimization. So landing page optimization to me is a lot of fun that you don't necessarily, you can't tweak it quite that much in organic search. Um, and I, I have to say, and you know, I've done organic search. So I was the head of us, or I was, I was the search person for Windows way back in the day. And it was one where I came from a paid search background, thought I was managing paid search, and then they handed me the keys to the website and said, and congratulations, you are now doing SEO. And I was like, oh, I've heard about this. So I got my feet <laughs> wet um, in SEO by taking over all of Windows during a migration of four domains down to a single domain. So everything that I've been hearing my my counterpart in search, Dwayne Forrester, talk about, I actually then got to do myself and get very hands-on to learn it. I had a lot of fun with that project. And I've still managed to keep a, a foot in the door for organic search. Um, it's just paid is where my passion's been since I started. It's what I started hey, with. It's fine. I, I, I'm actually, if for you to be the first guest on the Yoast SEO podcast and then talk about SEM is 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 <laughs> basically tells everything about what I want this show to be. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wide and and in all directions. <laughs> anyway. Well, we- and what I would say on this, um, and I tell this to paid search professionals and SEO professionals, we are in search. Not like you might specialize in paid, you might specialize in organic. I really strongly recommend if you're in paid search, understand how organic search operates functions, get to know the algorithms, get to understand how whole page algorithms work, because that determines how does content and the different types of content show up on the page in order to entice individuals to click for paid or for organic search understand a paid because you can get a lot of really great insights to the different queries and keywords that people are looking for that you then take into your organic search strategy for creating new pages optimizing your content and looking at where do you go and develop themes and or topics based on what users are looking at and engaging you just get it a little bit faster i think during the paid search side because if you have budget you can ratchet that budget up and you literally can get well you use to literally be able to get every keyword under the sun um, on the paid search side in a report available to you. Did you I give segued a good- very nice or <laughs> nicely into that, Christy. I I really like that. It used to be able to get every keyword. I mean, you pay people get everything, right? Oh no, wait, Google changed that, right? It got changed. So, um, yeah. and this is where I, I sometimes I'm going to take my Microsoft hat off and put on a paid search hat. So don't view me as a person speaking on behalf of Microsoft. This is my own personal opinion. So if you weren't aware in the page search community, uh, our world got rocked in early September timeframe because Google made an announcement they are no longer going to be giving all query data in the paid search query reports. I, I know within, and you and I were talking about this before we started, I think it was 2000 and like, it was 2012, maybe 2013. Yeah, it's a long time ago. When, when we were not provided, provided. Yeah. showed up. And in paid search, we've always said, hey, we get access to all of our data. Well, effective pretty much this month, Google said, you know what, it's pretty costly to store all that data, especially when you have these queries that are getting searched once or twice or might not be driving a lot of clicks, but they are driving impressions across your accounts. So we're just not going to send them to you anymore. 
Yeah, I honestly don't buy that. Um, I, I, it probably has a lot more to do with the GDPR reasoning and, and, and other stuff that, 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 well, that drove the whole uh, organic search decision uh, eight years ago. Um, but it, it must still not be very pleasant on your end. No, and I'd say on the paid search community, it has not been well received across the board. Again, um, we we're talking that I am I am more likely to stand up when I disagree with the decision being made, both at Google and at Bing from a paid search expert because I've been in this space so long. And on paid search side, if you imagine we are spending money in order to drive traffic into our site. So when the fact you are giving money in and then you can't see, even though they are tail terms, depending on the account, some of these tail terms are driving anywhere from 15 to 30 or 40% of the traffic to your campaigns. So if you imagine you're optimizing to a very specific revenue target or revenue goal or cost per acquisition goal, and 30 to 40% is now a black box that you can't touch, it really hinders your ability to make your site or to do it profitably. And if it makes it hard to be profitable, then how do you then justify the spend going on that back end? Now, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> insane. I mean, I, I remember one of the clients I used to work for a long time ago, over a decade ago, so I'm going to assume that NDA is long gone by now. Um, they sold hospital beds, which to hospitals, which is not like the most searched for query in the world. Well, these days that is slightly different, but it-, it uh, <laughs> A it, decade it, ago, it, no. Yeah. It, it used to not be a very highly trafficked query. I think they got like two conversions on three clicks um, that were very, very relevant to them as in made them tens of thousands of euros. Um, that's real money for you Americans. Um, um, on just a couple of clicks. And now you'd not be able to see what the, what that traffic came for and what they were actually searching for. And I have to say, like, part of it, um, there's a lot of people in the search space that are nervous of speaking up, especially individuals and agencies. And the individuals and agencies, Google is their lifeblood. They need to have Google ads out there so they can advertise. Because if Google says, you know what, you disagreed with this and we're very vocal about it, we're turning you off, their agency is gone. So that's why I've, I've talked to a handful of other people that I'm friends with in the search, the paid search space and said, I'm willing to stand up because what are they going to do? Tell Microsoft you can't advertise? I'm pretty sure that would be a lawsuit in and of itself to say, like, no, the person that runs search on your side said something we didn't like. Like, they're not going to be able to do that. No. Um, so. No, so yeah. I, I, and and I, I think I think it's good for you to speak up about that. Uh, I Honestly, because we don't do SEM as much, we don't talk about it much. But I'd be relatively happy to speak up about it. The, the good thing about being Yoast SEO is that with 11 million sites that run Yoast SEO, saying we throw everyone running Yoast SEO out of the search results is no longer really an option for them. So <laughs> um, uh, it, 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 I, well, we are in a position where we can sometimes say this is a bad idea. Um, but it's also, yeah, there's a lot of these ideas that come out of Google that sometimes you just have to push back on. And sometimes they have very good ideas too. It's just like they're human. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and it goes back to um, when I, I put a tweet out there that like, 20 minutes after the announcement came out, I put a tweet saying, this is a terrible idea. This is horrible. And I had our PR person and my manager called me and said, hey, <laughs> we saw you tweeted negatively about this. Do you know if we are planning on doing something similar at Microsoft Advertising? Like, in all honesty, I don't care if we like, it's not that I don't care. I will stand up to our engineering team if they say they're going to follow suit and I will give them 
all the reasons why everybody in the industry is making similar comments and con like saying this is a horrible, horrible idea. I do somewhat get it and where this is headed. And SEO, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. So in the paid search space, what we are also hearing is part of the reason this decision is coming down is because the search engines, and I'll just, I'll, I'll do this broadly. I won't go specific to Google. The search engines have invested heavily in AI on the back end to essentially help with the optimization of accounts we no longer have exact match. We no longer have phrase match or broad match. They're all ish. So they've, it's all ish matching. So it's exact ish, which could also be phrase and exact at the same time. Broad is no longer broad. So with all of the AI adjusting how optimization happens, what they're saying is you, because it's no longer exact match. It's all ish matching. And we have smart bidding, which you give the conversion pixel on the back end of your site, and we optimize it for you. And we will drive the queries we think are relevant. Like everything is going to the fact of you just give us money until the goal, and that we will just run it for you. Which I, I, I understand the value of AI. <laughs> I understand how it can help. I'm a little bit more leery on the, you just give us the cash and you tell us the goal and we'll make it work in the long run. Cause well, I, so I come to this with two different perspectives. One, that of an SEO, but two, that of a European. Um, I don't believe those tracking pixels will work the way they think they will work two to three years from now. Uh, because uh, there's a lot of legislation coming and there's a lot of, uh, well, basically tightening of what they're allowed to do and what they uh, uh, can and can't do, um, which I think is a good thing as a European because I don't really like being tracked everywhere all the time. Um, so I, the, the, the fact that that is out there and that, for instance, in Germany, a large percentage of people run ad blockers and stuff like that makes all of these systems a bit weird if they're only optimizing for that uh, for that end goal when, when like a quarter of the traffic doesn't ever get to that end goal because they can't measure that. So that's weird. Yeah. Um, and from an SEO perspective, I don't, I actually think we we got slightly less good at SEO as a community when we lost that data because we were just not able to optimize traffic for the or to optimize pages for the traffic it got, and it worked the other way around as well. It often worked to where we said, okay, so we're ranking for a term that we don't really want to rank for, uh, and and you'd optimize away from that. I remember. Um, so we had a Google Analytics for WordPress plugin at Yoast for quite a long time, and uh, we, we used to rank number four for Google Analytics, which which would be very fun in your impressions. But like, there's no clicks, and all the clicks you get are nonsense because people are not looking for you when they search for Google Analytics. Um, so you'd optimize away from that, and then. Well, it's it's just you spend time you spend time optimizing on something that doesn't help your business because no, you yeah. can't give the right guidance on that side. So it's yeah, it's, and that's and that's what happens to a lot of people. So it's it's a shame, and I think it's not necessarily a good idea. Now they have since given that data back somewhat through Google Search Console, um, which is useful. Uh, it's not to the granularity I'd like it to be, but it's better than nothing. Um, well, and I think I would be less vocal if, and I'll put the if out here, 
if they would give us the criteria for when they are going to restrict because they just the the phrasing and I don't have it in front of me normally I'd read it so I could be exact it was fairly broad it says if the volume isn't enough or there isn't enough clicks I'm like well what does enough mean define enough because like I run campaigns that are in the tens of millions of dollars a month and I know people that are also, it was funny, we got a request this last week to run a campaign in Canada for $192 a month. And we're like, okay, so I've got people working on tens of millions of dollars, 192 The funny thing is, though, that sometimes the 192 probably uh, it has a lot more impact in, in some ways than the tens of millions of dollars. Because the tens of millions of dollars doesn't really matter whether you turn you spend $1 million less or more often. Uh, and, and, and on the 192, $10 more or less is a really big difference. <laughs> yeah, it makes it fun. But I think one of the things you're alluding to is just like the usefulness of data and insights and tools. Like I've I've used the Yoast plugin for my own personal sites, which please don't look at them, guys. Uh, do not look at them as a reflection of my ability to do SEO or my ability to write content because I literally will post something like every three years and then I go back to having to write for other publications and coming back. But at one point, I did it much more regularly and frequently and I was using the tools to get insights and to help with the optimization side. The tools that we have access to from organic or paid really are our lifeblood and they tell us and guide us for what we can do or should do. Yeah, so the quality is so we we recently launched an integration with SEM Rush and I really like those guys and we and we, we we've been working well together, but the overall quality of keyword data in the industry is going down and down and down because all the data is just going away and and and, and it's it, it's a shame because nobody has very good keyword data anymore other than um well, uh, Bing in some places uh, and and some people that have access to slightly larger sites like the people working for Microsoft <laughs> but uh, for normal people that data is just isn't there isn't all that much good data anymore out there and especially not in non-English uh, because that is very painful so yeah. it's, so which is all, it seems like almost every SEO tool out there neglects the non-English market for the, for for a lot of things. It's it's one of my pet peeves with the industry that we have. It's like people spend money when they're Dutch and German as well. And well, German is still relatively big, but. Well, and I bet there's a tool, what is that called? Right, I bet focuses on German quite well. Just They knowing, do German knowing, quite well. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing I, to bet right does German I, quite I, well. I'm also willing to bet, uh, to bet that a certain right founder or, or, or will show up at, on this podcast at some point because <laughs> he's a very good friend of both Christy and myself. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, no, I, absolutely. No, yeah, but there, yeah, there are absolutely tools that do some of these languages well, but it's hard, and it's and and if you're Dutch like like I am, and I mean, the Dutch market is a negligible part of USSEO in terms of size. But it's it's you look at that and you go like, okay, so where is the Dutch keyword data? And it's basically nowhere to be found anymore, uh, other than scraping Google Suggest, which is like. The, the most annoying thing ever to do. <laughs> anyway, um, so we, we, I mentioned Google Analytics, but we also talked a tiny bit, and I want I I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Microsoft launched a, a new analytics tool as well, Clarity. We were emailing a bit about that. Um, um, I've played with it. You haven't. You said. 
No, I haven't. I've gotten the live demos of it. So the team has met with me multiple times. They've given me live demos. I made introductions to get it on the Microsoft advertising website. And I know that they, we are in process. Um, I don't know if anybody else out there can resonate with this, but sometimes when we start to say like there's new technology, we want to get integrated on the back end of our website. Sometimes the queue can take longer than you would prefer. So I know we started the conversations about integration. I think it was probably about a year ago. I don't know because um, it's a different team and I haven't followed up if they actually did the integration. But Clarity is a type of analytics to give real time insights on how users are. It's, it's not analytics like Google Analytics in the sense of here are the keywords coming in. It's how are individuals engaging with the content on your site and the content in different locations on the site. Yeah, and it has the most hilarious metric ever called rage clicks, uh, which I absolutely adore already. And I've only looked at it for my own site and for my own blog and for Yoast.com. So for Yoast.blog and Yoast.com. But it's actually very insightful. Because what are it's your top rage clicks? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's literally things where you see that people are clicking, thinking that it'll go somewhere, where, it's, where something is not a button, where it should be a button. And, and, and it's, it's the most stupid, simple ins insights that you actually overlook on your own site. So it was, I was like, this is already more useful than uh, a lot of the analytics I look at. It's also hilariously simple to use. And it, it, it records sessions as well in a way that uh, Hotjar does uh, and a couple of other uh, tools out there. It's it's free. You can it, they allow you to send like a, more than a million page views a day, and, and and then it's still free. It's ridiculous that you're that you all are doing this, but I'm very happy that you are because it it basically means that there's an alternative in some ways to Google Analytics, which I think is good for everyone. Well, and it's interesting because if you look across Microsoft's ecosystem, there are so many different teams that are creating these amazing tools and platforms that people just aren't aware of. Even internally, a lot of people aren't aware of them. I've heard about them because when I was doing the evangelism side, the teams would come to me and be like, what can we do to get in front of these audiences? How Can we do a blog post? Can you go out and speak and add demos to this at conferences and events because there's so many different facets of tools that like there's there's one I bet you would well uh, maybe maybe not you there's one that's pretty interesting as well where we are working with Instagram influencers and there is a SERP module that can come in that you can boost your Instagram posts to people who are interested in the topics and categories you most often post on Instagram to help drive um, your Influenceability, so drive your likes so and drive you your followers for your own Insta Instagram. What's funny is I actually I I didn't have a big enough base and I really didn't have a ton of posts, so I'm starting to do that now. If you guys follow me on Instagram, it is not about search. Uh, <laughs> I I I decided I'm like you know what I have enough about search in almost every aspect of my life. So if you follow me on Instagram, it is all about makeup or my children. So it's a very yeah, niche I, audience that most most search people follow me and then they send me a message like, what is this? Uh, well, I, I, I love it, but it's also like the children part re I, that sort of resonates with me. The makeup part doesn't really resonate with me. You, you, if you're listening to this, you can't see us, but we have quite different skin complexions. <laughs> Ghost. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I would describe Christy as a ginger. <laughs> and um, while I'm white, I, I tend to turn brown in the sun quite easily. <laughs> 
yes, and I do not. Um, yeah, so it's it, it, it yeah it, it was it's fun to see though it's uh, it's hilarious because you're actually engaging in and with. Instagram in a way that I I'm like yeah that's actually fun you're just trying to do something there which is awesome it's I just see a marketer trying something which is it's cool to see uh, your and, own experience and I don't have a ton of followers but I do think it's somewhat hilarious I've had um, six or seven different companies send me free products to try which I'm like this is amazing for only something that has like 500 followers but like, that, that that market is like so I mean the the the, the margins must be incredibly good. And so everything's about marketing. So yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's I, I I've heard the same from people blogging about about beer um, <clears throat> that it can that it can be very beneficial for your beer collection, and not beneficial for your waistline. But uh, yeah, I so I try to go to the gym three times a week to offset all these ideas. <laughs> no, but like the that influencer tool is a really cool one that literally has gotten virtually no press behind it. Um, we there are tools coming out right now. It is an Edge, so I know not uh, maybe people have not heard of Edge. Edge is Microsoft's browser. It is a it's Chrome by computer. far the best uh, by far the best Chrome type browser out there. It's super fast. It's hilarious how fast your browser becomes if it doesn't send all your data to Google. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's super fast. And it runs on Linux too now, which I was very surprised with, to be honest, yep. when that came out. Yeah, well, it's very you were. Good. You, you asked me a lot of very tough questions when I talked to the SEO Oktoberfest group to talk about the swap of Edge and how it's going to be running on Linux and Chromium. There were a lot of really tough questions that came at me on that back end that I could not necessarily answer all of them. But like with, with Edge, there's a new feature coming out um, in Hunt, in the US. There's a competitive product called Honey where it goes out and it finds here's all the different potential um, shopping discount codes for a given website. And they're launching it with like 100 plus websites that if you're using Edge, it's literally there and you can hit a button and it'll show here's all the discount codes to try to get you discounts while you're shopping. So what this means is y'all have to stop using discount codes in your shop because it basically becomes absolutely bloody useless. Well, because it becomes so easy. Well, and I, I, to me, it just baffles me. I'm like, why do people not search for the affiliate codes or the discount codes? Like they're out there. You can use them. Like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's. Papa John's in the U.S. or no, Papa Murphy's in the U.S. must hate me because I use the forty percent off code every single Friday. <laughs> yeah, but it, the 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 thing is that either they're still making money with that, or they don't care, or it's 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 so weird how these things work. But I, it's one of the first things that I always suggest. Like, have you tried taking the discount code field out of your checkout and see what that did to your revenue? Because I mean, very often it'll do very good things to your revenue if you just don't show that box. But yeah, it's it, it drives me nuts. It's but it's it, it's a fun improvement. But at the same time, that that also the power of search engines and and browsers probably even more in a way is shown just by that right i mean you can you can do that in edge now because edge no longer has the market share that internet explorer used to have way back in the day um, but if you if google did that then the whole world would be crying foul i don't know if they would i mean right now there are chrome extensions that do the same type of thing it's just not google pulling it and surfacing so it's i don't know it's interesting cuz um within Bing itself, you know, we have, you have, 
we we had a different layout to begin with when we launched Bing than Google. Google was still just the search box and it was the 10 blue links on the page with the ad module up above. And that's where we started introducing like knowledge graph the, or the knowledge panels off to the side, the instant answers on the top, pulling some of the location information and the um, the local search modules into. So even now we have coupon ones where we have modules depending on the query somebody types that will pull the coupons directly into the SERP. And so now it's just making it so that um, instead of just pulling to the SERP, it's in the browser itself so that if you have this widget essentially added on, it just, it tells you what they are. But it's this idea of within Bing and Edge as a whole, it is trying to make search relevant where you are. So it's relevant results that you can trust at the ease of your fingertips. So Edge, it's while it is a browser, it's relevant results to what you are doing at that's awesome yeah. that. Uh, if it's relevant, I, I, I assume it's good for the user, but at the same time, it is sort of disintermediating a whole industry. And uh, uh, we, we have a lot of friends in the affiliate space who are not potentially <laughs> love it, or they will. But I think it also goes back to, um, again, instead of this being an SEO podcast, let's talk about this as a marketing podcast, because there's a lot of companies that do discount codes, and they don't think about the adoption rate of the discount code and what that does to their margin. It goes back to the Groupon and I don't even is Living Social still around? Yeah, uh, well, with the yeah, those tools, uh, whatever. Like, but, uh, yeah. but like the Groupon deal, people would go and they'd give these amazing discounts without thinking about the margin impact and what happens if you sell without putting limitations on them. And um, at least in the states, in the first couple of years that they came out, businesses went out of business because they couldn't keep up with the demand for the discounts versus regular customers. They had all these one-time customers and they didn't have a model in place to entice them to come back and entice them to use them. So let's let's go one step back. Um, you do a lot of SEM. You've done a lot of SEO. If you were to invest now as a business in these times, because it, well, for some businesses it's rather hard times. Um, what would you invest in in terms of uh, search marketing? So number one, I would look overall on the SEO side. I would make sure that you have your website really up and running optimized first before you start investing on the paid search site because you have to have a solid web website that it loads quickly and gives individuals the right type of information based on what they're looking for. So understanding that user intent, understanding what your customers need, want, and desire, and making sure your site answers that. Then after you have that solid basis of SEO, if you have budget and when you have budget, use that to essentially help subsidize your SEO. So it's never, to me, it's never an either or an or. Do you ever no. do just SEO or just paid search? I think it's actually really smart to do both. And you have to think through what is your strategy going to be? Because organic search is the long game. It is the marathon that you're running. Paid search is more like the sprint. Do you have something launching that might not... Uh, appear in the top uh, results other than the SERP right away that you want to get eyeballs in front of? Are there audiences that you are trying to go after that might not know of you or be looking for you? Then you can use the audience targeting, audience remarketing within search to reach those individuals. You can do competitor conquesting within paid search in a way that A, is very expensive, but, <laughs> but can get you in front of your competitor's eyeballs at the right moment in time so that you are part of that consideration set and that you can sort of uh, disrupt a purchase flow in a way, if you do it the right way. 
So it's one of them like, do your SEO first, but then think about where are those inflection and injection points that if you have money that you can use them. I'm not saying you need to target thousands of keywords. There's actually campaigns I've run where I've come in and they have a couple thousand dollars a month and they had hundreds of keywords. I'm like, nope, 15. We're going to target 15 very targeted terms and phrases. We're going to be very specific with how we do this based on your goals and what you are trying to do. The goal isn't everything under the sun. Let's get really specific with what you're going to do on that end. But then make sure you invest in the organic search side because, as I said before, the landing page quality is a third of your quality score. So if that landing page, which then hits the core SEO, like site speed, does it have interstitials? Can they find what they're looking for on the page? Is it relevant to the query and to the search term? Like that still has to happen. And so (laughs) like SEO has to be there, invest there. In a way, it's you're telling me that SEM has become more has become harder than SEO in a way, which is which is sort. I don't of, know if I'd say it's harder. I'd say it is more. It is it has gotten incredibly complex with all of the different targeting that you can do. But I don't think that's a bad thing with the complexity that comes in. Um, what I am sad about, and you actually touched upon this earlier, is GDPR and the fact we're moving toward this cookie-less world that we rely on cookies and cookie data to build our audience and audience targeting. There is so much super cool stuff you can do with audience targeting that people most on average, most people are not doing them, uh, at least to the granularity. I like to run them. I I, I put on my Jono hat of Jono doing his <laughs> evil, like, <laughs> I'm going to do something the way they hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a organic search is still complex because the algorithms on the on the organic side, like Google doesn't fully disclose its algorithm and they change the weighting of things regularly. And they will occasionally just add something completely new in there. And you see the giant dance happen where all the search results and then you have to go back to like, okay, what was the change? What was the thing I had done in the past that was acceptable that is now not acceptable and go back and rejigger years worth of strategy? Although that has been a while, to be honest, if I find myself going back to my old slides every once in a while, and then I realize that my slides from 10 years ago are actually still pretty relevant to a lot of what we do today um, with some new technical uh, stuff added by Google, but that's mostly it. Okay, um, we're going to wrap it up because I know I can talk to you for ages and ages and ages, and that probably means you just should be back at some point during a later podcast. Um Is there anything that you want to touch on that we haven't touched on? So I do have one thing. Um, Webmaster tools. So Bing's Webmaster tools. You just mentioned this early on, but I am so proud of Fabrice and Frederick, and I'm not even mentioning everybody's name, Michael, the entire Webmaster Tools team, uh, Kata, who's done such a great job of listening to the feedback and input that y'all within the search space have given them in terms of, you know, the, the, one of the feedback we heard is, I don't use the tool because it's not fast, it's not easy to use, it's not as intuitive. So while you said like, oh, in the last few months, there's been an update every month. We've been working on this for years to completely change the backend and the infrastructure so that we could release this brand new version of Webmaster Tools. It really is the idea that we are trying to figure out how do we help you with your indexing, your crawling, your discoverability, and then what you need to do from an optimization side on the back end of your site. So if you have not checked Bing Webmaster Tools out or you haven't looked at it in the last three, six, 10 months, I would really challenge you to go back and look at it because 
we updated webmaster guidelines on i want to say it was july 1st i think or maybe it was june 1st it all blends together at this point but june july we updated webmaster guidelines and we're more specific in telling you here's what we use for ranking here are the different factors and here's what would get you banned and, uh, and that's for being but the funny the funny thing is that a lot of the data that you find in being webmaster tools also applies to google so uh, so I, I what i found looking at it again was that it, it is it crawls slightly differently than Google, but it is. It, but it is very. If it finds a lot of errors, Google will have those errors too. So you yes. need to. Fi- so you need to fix them. It's one of the. Well, it's basically the only really free SEO tool out there that that does a pretty good job of crawling your site and telling you where it's broken, etc. So I, yeah. I, I, I well, think and- it's. Everyone should be using it. Well, and it's one of those, like, the the principles that the engineering team went back with is they really wanted to say, let's keep the design cleaner. Let's make it responsive with faster, more actionable tool sets. And we asked, we need, we knew that there were issues on mobile. We had to fix the mobile side. And I don't know if the mobile is 100% fixed. I've still seen some screenshots come through of like, hey, this one's acting a little wonky. We're still working on that. Um, taking previously, I want to say we had 50 navigable links of ways you could interact with the tool set, too many, people couldn't figure it out. So let's reduce that down to the core set of functional tools that help you get actionable. I think right now we have 15 to 20, it might be 17 right there in the middle. And because of the crawling differences, that's where um, Fabrice announced this, it must have been at PubCon, so it was early last month, we re-released essentially the, um, what do we call it? It's the Engine Explorer, the, or the, now I have to remember, like SEO Explorer. It used to be the Site Explorer. Uh, the previous version, we had a version of this in the original Webmaster Tools, but let me tell you, you needed a PhD and you really had to understand discoverability, crawlability to get it to work. Now it is really easy to essentially see how is Bing crawling your site? How are the subdirectories? What is the traffic? Pulling everything into a single screen to make it easier to understand. It's uh, very useful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. And, uh, and I have to say it's, um, it's refreshing to see that uh, to see that happen from Bing. Uh, so I'm, I, we're very happy with it. It's, it, it's, it, 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 it the joke I, I I tend to make, and I'm sorry for making it, Christy, is that I wish people would uh, that Bing people would see how good Bing the search engine is and would actually use it a bit more, um, because then the tool would be even more useful. Uh, but um, no, even if you're just doing optimization for Google, it's still a very useful tool for everybody. It's free; you can just try it, click around, play with it, and then get frustrated because you see all the errors on your site. If you're own, if you're the, the average webmaster that logs into to a tool like this for the first time, you'll go like, I have this many 404s on my website. And yes, you do. Uh, and it, I, well, every single big site I've consulted on in my past, I stepped in and I was like, okay, so we have like a half million 404s, let's fix those. And then we can work through some other stuff. And, and Well, and, and I, I- I'm going to poke you a little bit because the other thing we released, which I love, is the the um, the ability to push your updates directly into Bing, uh, so that we are real time indexing. And where is that? I, I know we had talked about getting the US plugin integrated. I uh, so, yeah. So uh, so uh, the, the, be... pro- the problem with these APIs is that um, they're not built to be shipped in open source software. 
Okay. Uh, um, so they require an API key and they require a registration process for that API key that I can't put a normal user through. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, uh, I know we talked about it. I was hoping it would come uh, out. I, I, yeah, I, I, I desperately want to build it, and uh, we have a way around it now. I think that that will work, but it's hard. It, it's one of the things that you, if you look at Google's SiteKit WordPress plugin, which is very good as well, they've been doing a really good job and. Well, Google has a team on WordPress specifically now, which is something I, I hope we will get Microsoft to do at some point as well. Um, it, 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 what they've they've built a lot of infrastructure on Google.com to be able to support that plugin because they need an API key in in for every specific site, which makes life incredibly hard. And and. Um, Shipping stuff out to 11 million websites sometimes takes a bit more thought than I wanted to take. But <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm just going to poke on the side because I know your all submission. We've been talking about it for two or three years now. Yeah, I no, I, 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 and well. I want it, and I honestly, I want it for Google too because Google has an API like that as well, where they, which they've only opened for jobs and a couple of other things officially. Um, which it seems to work for more than just that. But the thing is, if we if we integrate stuff like that, it has to work completely and for everyone. Because yeah. if I do that on 11 million totally sites agree. and it breaks, I've taken down Google Analytics once. I'm not willing to do it again. Uh, I'll so, give you $5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So um, there there is uh, uh, some, some caveats there. And from a technical perspective, for the geeks listening, OAuth 2 is hard. I want OAuth 1 back because it doesn't. It, it was a lot easier for us to ship that in open source software. Anyway, with that, Christy, I want to really thank you for your time. Um, and um, I hope you'll be back someday. I hope too. The pleasure is all mine. I always have fun talking with you. Very good. Well, thank you and um, talk to you soon. <laughs>